Beautiful stories, guys. We've been hearing stories after stories. Uh, last week we heard Pedro and Jorge's story of how they got into missions. Uh, today we heard from Bridget and Skylar. It's such inspiring stories to hear all this. Um, we have a lot more stories coming up in the next weeks as well. Because um, this month we, as Gabby mentioned, if you are here before, who's new here for the first time? Jeff's wife, that's the first time I've seen you, no? Oh, okay. One, two, the whole family there. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to church. Good to see you guys. Uh, even if you're passing by here, you're very welcome. And uh, we are glad that you can join us. Um, yeah, like I said, Gabby was um, having this vision for this month that we want to be more evangelistic. We want to hear stories from people. We want to hear testimonies of how God is working in people's life. So that can be an example for us that God can motivate us in our lives. So I woke up this morning, it's a lot of rain. Um, I, I usually come a little bit early, so I get caught up in rain. And then after eight, the rain stopped, right? Like, did anyone get rain on the way here? A little bit coming from all the way from there. Yeah. Um, the Christmas season brings a lots of joy, right? Like you have the Christmas lights are up. Um, people get days off. You go to your family, some of you, and you drink hot wine. The Christmas markets are up. It brings a whole joy in this whole season. It, it brings a warmth uh, around us. And we see a lot of people traveling as well. But why is it so? Does everyone know the reason for this occasion? Why is it special? Anyone? You can shout out. Our church is its not one way. We go two way. Why do we celebrate it? Birth of Jesus. Perfect. So that's, that is a very good answer. But what does it really mean, right? So Christmas has been celebrated in almost 180 countries around the world. Uh, even Christian, non-Christian countries, they, they celebrate it culturally at least. They like this idea of coming together. They might have different traditions, customs. And some countries even have different dates to celebrate Christmas. And 75% of people in Europe celebrate Christmas. And some of them, it's religious as well. But I doubt even in a religious setting, sometimes they don't fully recognize the depth of this event that is called Christmas. So that's why we're going to dive in and see what the Word of God says about Christmas. Right? We're going to go to a familiar passage in Matthew chapter 1. We're going to start from verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, 
the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph, Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. So what is happening here is very straightforward, right? The storyline goes very well. You might have heard it a thousand times before, right? Joseph and Mary are about to get married and Mary got pregnant before marriage. So Joseph was not sure if you want to get married or not. An angel comes in and says, hey, Joseph, you remember this prophecy from 800 years ago? It's getting fulfilled here in Jesus. And he quotes this promise, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. So we're going to go through this. So let's go back to Isaiah. If, you, if you're figuring out what is this prophecy, if you go to Isaiah, Isaiah was written 800 years before Matthew was written. So in Isaiah, it says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And this is the backdrop for this event, right? This is not something, well, let's write a story and it happened. This buildup was happening for thousands of years ago where the prophecy after prophecy of someone's going to come, someone's going to come, someone's going to save. And then it all culminates in the story of Jesus. And I want to focus on a, a key word in this passage, which is not Jesus itself. So don't be shocked, right? So Jesus is a Greek word, which was translated exactly in English as Jesus. In Hebrew, it means Yeshua. And the Yeshua for English is, anyone? Joshua, Joshua right? So Joshua was also named for many other people in the Old Testament, right? So Joshua is a very common name. It means salvation. So that name itself is not special in the prophecy. What's special is this, the key word is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this is the title given to Jesus, and that's what we're going to focus on today, God with us. And we're going to break down word by word to understand what is God with us mean. First word, God. So but this prophecy was given to Jesus, right? And Jesus was called as God with us. So what they mean by that is not just a prophet that representing God or he was sent by God. No, he was God himself going to be with us, right? And if you're a believing Christian and it's easy to brush this topic off, yes, I know Jesus is God, heard this a thousand times, but the depth of this mystery is just way too much. And it, it, we can't fully ever understand how God become human. So I want you to join with me this morning to admire this fact. And if you're walking on a path or if you're hearing people saying, well, I, I like Jesus. He's, he's very good. He's, he teaches about love. Uh, he, he tells us to love our enemies. It's a very good religion. Um, he's like a prophet like Gandhi, like Buddha. Even I, I've heard people say in... Uh, because we meet a lot of people in Lisbon Project who are, who are their background is from Islam, Muslims. And they usually say, well, uh, Jesus was in the Quran as well. We are the same. And they say, uh, he's a prophet in our, in our holy book. 
let's talk about it really quick. We just read Matthew about Matthew saying God with us. So Matthew is a Jew, you know, Jewish community. And John, who wrote the Gospel of John, he writes this. In the beginning, there was word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. And he was talking about Jesus here. And John, he's another Jew. Paul, he's another Jew. And he writes in Colossians about Jesus, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in him in bodily form. Peter also writes, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He calls Jesus God. So why am I highlighting that they're all Jewish? If you go to the first century Greco-Roman world, if there's one religion that never accepts one God, they will never accept a God that is not a human, is Jewish people. If you go to Eastern religions, it's easy to uh, believe that uh, we have, even back home, we have thousands of idols. We, we believe God came as a human and he did some fight and he went back again. And even in, in Greek and Roman, Zeus and other gods, they, they take a form as a human. They become demigods. And even Paul and Barnabas, when they went to Ephesus, they said, oh, God has, God's have come to us. Right? So it's very easy to make believe people in that time that Jesus is indeed God if they're outside the Jewish community. But Jewish community is where they won't even pronounce the name of God. They won't even pronounce Yahweh because it's so holy. They always believe God is one and he will never become human. But these are the same people who wrote most of the Old Testament and they claim Jesus to be God. They weren't trying to benefit from the story, creating a storyline. No, they died for that story. They saw something in Jesus that all the prophecies came together and the love and the power of God displayed in Jesus Christ where they can look at Jesus and say, that is God. There's no way that can be just a prophet. And let's take a step back. You can say, well, those are the people who said it. What? But Jesus never said it. No, he did. He did. Gabby was preaching a couple weeks ago and she was saying um, there was a sinful woman in, um, in John where he, she came to Jesus and she was washing Jesus' feet and then Jesus at the end forgave her. Right? Let's, let's hear a story. So we have Rodrigo there and we have Pedro here. Let's say... They are watching football, right? I'm sorry for Brazil and Portugal. They're both out. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, don't think about it. But imagine they are watching the game together, and then, and and Pedro got upset, and then he just punches Rodrigo, which is very unlikely because I've seen him work out. Uh, there's no way Pedro is punching Rodrigo. But let's say they are punching each other, okay? And I come into the room and I say, "It's okay, guys. I forgive you both." Does that make any sense? Can I do that? No. <laughs> well, <laughs> Pedro says he's going to punch me if I do that. <laughs> That's probably going to happen. 
But that's exactly what Jesus did. He walked around and he forgave people's sins. You know when that makes sense? If kids play, if little kids play and then they, they hit each other and we say that, hey, tell sorry. And then I, as a parent, I'm going to tell to the other mom or dad say, hey, sorry about that. Right? I can forgive others if I am the creator of that person. If I get the same offense as that person. If I am get hurt the same way as the person, then I can forgive. I can't forgive directly without me being God. And this is exactly what the people at the time saw it. It's not something we are reading into a text. Let's turn to Mark chapter 2. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there and thinking it over their hearts. Why does this man speak that way? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins except God alone? Who can forgive sins except God alone? And if you read through the whole passage, Jesus never corrected them. He never said, oh, you are right. I'm not God. He, didn't, he just said, oh, which is more easier to forgive or to heal someone? And he did both. I can give you so, mother, so many other examples. Jesus said he would come one day to judge the world. And that who can judge the world? Only God. A prophet can't judge the world. And he said, before Abraham, I am, which is the name for Yahweh as well. So what I'm trying to say is Jesus did clearly say in the Bible that he is God incarnate himself. But if you don't think, I, I can't buy that. I can't, I, maybe Jesus said it, but that's too much. But I can, give you, I can give him the benefit of a doubt and call him a good prophet. But what I'm trying to say here is you don't have that option. If Jesus didn't, he wasn't who he claimed to be, then he's a liar. He just lied to you. But then you say, even worse option is, you can say he's a crazy person where he just says something out of his mind. So by looking at his life, by looking at how we lived, how we taught, how we loved people, how we served people, you come to a conclusion that there's no way he's a liar. There's no way he's a crazy person. You know what's the third option? The only other option is he is God himself. So if you're wondering in a path where I like Christianity, I like the teachings, I like love, I like community, but I just don't get Jesus as God, I have to say you got to read the Gospels more. It never, it never gave you an option to choose to Jesus as a prophet. But if he is God, then he's everything. And this is one big difference between Christianity and any other religion. Every religion teaches you how to get to God. No question about it. And I'm, I'm happy to say some religions have good things on it. I'm not against what they teach. They have good things. They have good morality. They teach us how to get to God. But there's one difference with Christianity. It is not telling us how to get to God. It's telling about a God who came to get you. And that's what makes Christmas special. God the Creator came to us. C.S. Lewis says that what is beyond all space and time, which is beyond uncreated, which is internal, came into this nature, descended into his own universe to meet with you. That, that takes us to the next one. Why did he come then? 
Did he come to fix everything? Did he come to teach you? Did he come to give you a lesson of how to reach God? Why did he come? It says God with us. If you go to Mark chapter 2, it says he appointed the 12 so they would be with him. And in Revelation, when the new heavens and earth are created, he says, and heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. So the with shows a togetherness to be with someone. It's not talking to someone. He's not guiding someone. He's not punishing someone. He's to be with someone. Let's talk about how God appeared in Old Testament. Um, if you read, how did God appear to Moses? Burning bush. burning bush, right? Was he allowed to go near the burning bush? No. God said, it's a holy ground. It's a burning bush. Stay there and listen to me from a distance. When God created a tabernacle, he wanted to dwell among his people. He created a lot of steps for them to come to him. Can anyone go into the tabernacle? Can anyone... Can priests go into the most holy place all the time? When God's glory came upon the tabernacle, Bible says even Moses cannot enter it. And he has to wear a veil when he comes back after speaking with God because God's glory is so powerful, the Israelites can't look at Moses reflecting God's glory. Not even God's glory, just reflection. He's so holy and glorious and powerful. In the New Testament times, do you know how this radiance of God's glory, this exact representation of God, do you know how he came to us? He came as a baby. Like Cohen and Sky that you see babies walk around, that you can just hold the omnipotent God who created all the known and unknown universe and galaxies with the word of his mouth, he is now swaddled in a cloth. He's wrapped. I, I, looked, I looked at some babies wrapped, like, especially African babies. They put the babies on the back. They lap like a little burrito and then they just throw it right there. <laughs> Looks so cool. I've seen a lady do it. I was so impressed. She just threw the baby and the baby landed somehow there. <laughs> they wrap it. There it is. That's a reason for your celebration. The omnipotent God who created everything, he became a baby. And why, why did he become a baby? Because he wants to be with us. And Hebrews says the Old Testament saints lived by faith and they were longing to see this day that you and me can see now. To be in this relationship, to be with God, to be with, to be tabernacle, uh, uh, alongside God, to dwell alongside God. It wasn't happening before in the Old Testament. They had restrictions for that. God is with us. And a lot of people today, uh, outside the church, even inside the church, they seem very unaffected by this truth. They, they, they even say, well, that is a really cool message, and I love that. Jesus is very cool. Christmas is cool. I attend the church. I love the whole spirit of Christmas. And they move on with your life. If you really understand the depth of this gospel, depth of what God with us mean, of what it took God to be with us, we really can't have a lukewarm response to that. 
from the stories written in the gospel people usually have mostly have three responses one they are offended by what jesus said and they want to kill jesus which they did and the second group of people they usually afraid about jesus and say leave our town or they leave jesus they just don't, don't want to do anything with it because it's it's too much and there's another group of people they follow him they worship him they lay they lay everything in their life i met a young man other day last week and he after the service he said oh i was crying in the service it was so good it was so emotional i love this part of christian experience where it's emotional and the more i talk i i i i don't feel he has a personal relationship with god but he just loves the the, the experience and and some of us are like that some of us love the experience of christianity um if you attend a music concert your favorite music concert your singer is singing or your celebrity if you like football basketball whatever you go watch the game or watch the concert and you enjoy it it's very per- very perfect you enjoy it after the concert is done i'm telling you hey you have an opportunity to meet the artist backstage or you meet the celebrity backstage and have a dinner with him or just know him better or have a one-on-one conversation who would not want to do that everyone would want to do that right it's fun because that's your favorite celebrity you want to go see and then you have an opportunity to see you would see and and this is what i meant even in the church experience i'm inviting you you can meet god backstage don't just come and have an experience of church and see it's it's really cool i really love it it's just only million times more your creator god came here to meet with you to be in a relationship with you and that's a good news of christmas god with you personally so i want to ask this question have you met jesus in your life personally not not coming to church not having an experience but in a personal life you have met with jesus Jesus created a path for us to be with him through his blood at the cross. Do you know if for God it's perfectly valid for him to come to the earth and judge all the evil including whatever you and me have done? It's perfectly valid for him to do that. But he didn't do it because he want to be with you. My friends, God didn't come with a sword in his hands so he can punish you. he came so he can put a nails through his hands so he can be with you you might you might not know all the reasons for the bad things that happening in your life or your past or all the evil that's happening in the world but the one thing you can be sure it is not because that god doesn't love you god does love you and that's what it took for him to lay aside his glory and humble himself as a human so he can come to be with us and finally who did he come for is it for the people who can afford him for good people for morally high valued people successful people in life no uh, someone shared something in the group that i love it, it says come all ye faithless joyless and defeated christmas is for the weary the messed up and the broken If your life is not instagramable, Christmas is for you. 
Every single one in this room, every single one of you see in the street and TV, metro, like the girls were saying, everyone around you, they have an opportunity to get to Jesus. And they can have a relationship like you and me have if they believe in Jesus. And if you're first time here in this church or you're being coming to church but never had the opportunity to really open your hearts by yourself, and if you want to talk more, I would love to talk to you more after the service because this, as the girls were saying, this is an eternity that hangs on it and God left his internal being to be here with you so you can, you can me, you and me can have eternity. And if you're already a Christian and you may be getting a little bit bored with the same story, uh, I heard a hundred times a Christmas story. I want to ask you today, does this Christmas story impact your life? Does this cause change to your character of how you live your life? Or you just hear it and it's very familiar to you, so you just walk away. Let's read a beautiful hymn in Philippians. So Paul writes this to a church in Philippi. And he's encouraging them based on this truth of incarnation. Paul writes this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in a human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The whole sermon is right here in this passage. Christ Jesus is in very nature God, in essence God. In other uh, translations, it's essence, like essence means what it, uh, whatever essence that makes me human and whatever essence that makes God, God, Christ was in that essence. But he made himself nothing. That's what scripture says, nothing. We can never fully understand this condescension. We, we, because we've never been God, we never came that low, so we don't know what it took God to come here. But Paul says this, God, he just, we say, okay, God become human, cool. But God didn't become human, born in a, like a king's palace, right? He went down a little bit more. No, he was born in a manger, in a poor Bethlehem, in a Middle Eastern time where they don't have basic facilities. He was born as a servant. And he didn't stop there. He could have did preach and then go to heaven. No, he went down and died. Why well, he doesn't have to die, but he died. And then he didn't just die any death. He went death on a cross, which is even worse in a Jewish setting because they say anyone who died on the cross is cursed. So God who came down as a human, as a servant, who died on a cross and cursed, for us. And Paul was telling Philippians, he's telling the story and saying, this is the mindset you and me should have. 
have the same mindset as Christ. Did you realize how much he gave up? So in this Christmas season, I, if you're familiar with this story 100 times, ask God, God, I want to have that mindset that Christ had. I want to be humble like him. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be unselfish. I want to be loving like him. There's a quote from J.I. Packer. says, The Christmas spirit does not shine out in the Christian snob. For the Christmas spirit is the spirit of those who, like their master, live their whole lives on the principle of making themselves poor, spending and being spent to enrich their fellow humans, giving time, trouble, care and concern to do good to others, and not just their own friends, in whatever way there seems need. And that's what reflecting Jesus looks like. It's not just getting presents. It's not just getting good discounts for Christmas. But the Christmas spirit is reflecting your master. I'm going to invite the worship team. And we're going to worship more here. And we're going to thank Jesus for what he did. But the Christmas story, or the story of Jesus, did not end at the cross. The Philippians hymn continues. And Paul writes, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus rose from the dead and his power of resurrection lives in us today. To make us more like him. I think C.S. Lewis says, he got, Jesus descended into the nature and he arised with the redeemed nature with on his shoulders. He arose with the nature that you and me will have. And it's available for us to have the nature that came up with Jesus. If you have forgotten the awe that you once had for Jesus, or even the familiarity of the gospel makes you... Um, not appreciated as much. And if you forget what it took for God to be human, to be crushed, to become killable, so you, he can have a relationship with us. Let this be a moment that God reminds us this costly event and let the Holy Spirit shapes us to have this mindset of Christ. In our everyday lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we don't know where to start, God. We we don't know what you, we don't know where to start what you have done for us. We can't quite really understand what you did for us. But we know you are there for us. You know, if, if you didn't move from your seat, from your position, from what you did, we could have never made it through. We could have never come to us, come to you, God. Thank you for taking the first step. Thank you for taking, coming to us. Thank you for loving us even when we are still sinners. God, you didn't just shout the gospel from heaven. You didn't just send a bunch of instructions from heaven. But no, you came down for us, God. Thank you for that. And thank you for going through all the pain and suffering 
that a human would go through. Thank you for being born as a baby. Thank you for growing growing up as a child, as a teenager. And thank you for doing everything like we do, God. Thank you for being there to understand our pain. And thank you for dying on the cross. And thank you for raising again. God, I want to pray for everyone this morning, God. If, if we are still struggling with the relationship with God, if we are still do not know, or even we had a relationship, but it's, it's not personal anymore. It's just we come together as, as a family, but not there's no personal connection anymore. God, help us renew that. Open your heart personally to us. Let us see the mystery and glory that is in you. Let us have the same awe that we once had when we first know you, God. God, let that joy of salvation never go away from our hearts. Bring us back to you, God. And open people's heart this morning. As we worship God, let us be humble like you. Let us be unselfish. Let us put others first than ourselves like you did. You didn't have to, but you did. Thank you for that. Open our hearts. Let your love motivate us. Let, it, let your love shape us. Let your love change us. Mold us. We pray in Jesus' name.